This is an ABC podcast. Hello everyone, Anne Jones here and I'm out in the field this week filming for another episode of ABC's Catalyst. So, to keep something in our ears, here's one of the memorable stories from the archives about a bloke who hates his job. The only thing I really enjoy about this process is signing it. The rest of it is arduous and uh, irksome, so when people say you must get great pleasure from doing this, um, they're wrong. Then why do you do it? Um, A compulsion. Humphrey Price Jones. He's a wildlife artist, a farmer and an environmentalist. He's also caretaker for very special creatures, two injured wedge-tailed eagles. We're in the hills of the southern tablelands of New South Wales. The crisp, cold autumn air and the long shadows have tricked the magpies into thinking it's dawn, then dusk, all day, without break. They're practising their carols throughout. And then a peacock walks past. We're in the gardens near the farmhouse, the opposite side to the sheds, standing next to aviaries. Two great feathered souls glare back at us from under their brow ridges. Nervous at the presence of an unknown human, they move their great weight around the cage, never quite spreading their wings to fly. Instead, they pace and jump and rumble from side to side. This species of bird, the wedge-tailed eagle, has been the focus of a long-term obsession of Humphrey Price Jones. A wedge tail is easily identified, even by people who only have a passing interest in birds. They're very large. They do have a wedge-shaped tail. They appear as a very large, dark bird, usually gliding or soaring, with wings held slightly above the plane of the body. They're the largest bird of prey in Australia. Um, I think they're the most magnificent example of uh, an aquila eagle. They're a very large, lanky eagle with uh, a very large wingspan and uh, very deep-set eyes under protruding brows, and they have a larger beak than any other aquila eagle, so they are particularly um, dramatic species. And it's a species that uh, Australia should be uh, proud of. Occasionally people bring me eagles that are injured and the two that I have uh, in my care at the moment uh, were probably road victims because wedge tails occasionally are hit by cars because they are attracted to roads by other roadkill. They can't be released because they're too uh, badly injured. Um, So consequently, they're used by me as uh, artist models because first and foremost, I'm a wildlife artist and specialise in birds of prey. And in particular, I specialise in in, uh, wedge-tailed eagles and peregrine falcons. Could you describe how these injured birds move? Um, 
Well, they move uh, relatively freely. Unfortunately, they can't, they can't fly, or they can't fly any great distance. As we've been observing, one of them has been putting on a fairly convincing threat display by raising the hackles on uh, the nape of his neck and making himself look as big and as powerful as he possibly can. Of course, he is not... Uh, He's not a particularly bold bird in so much as he was never going to attack us, but he wanted to show us that he is really big and tough and uh, put on a fairly convincing display. Uh, I suppose one could call them fairly lazy birds. They get up late, they go to bed early, and if weather conditions aren't to their liking, they don't get up at all. In other words, they stay in the roost all day. Wedgetails also can be rather playful, so sometimes they will uh, move about and um, occupy themselves by tossing things in the air and um, generally interacting in that way. But most of the time they sit quietly and, uh, and wait to be fed. Now, because uh, eagles can eat a significant amount of food at one sitting, one doesn't have to feed them every day. And in fact, a really healthy wedgetail can probably go for weeks without any food. And what do you feed them? Uh, principally on rabbits and hares, but they're also fed on, on roadkill as well, so they, uh, they have a variety of foods, and uh, very occasionally dead lambs. Seeing as we just had a herd of ducks marauding through the middle of the interview, we, um, I think we must mention the fact that these eagles are not your only birds. No, they're not. We have a selection of birds, and um, including these ducks. And uh, we also have various other injured birds uh, passing through, plus the ubiquitous uh, chooks, uh, guinea fowl, peafowl, pigeons. Um, yeah, wood, wood ducks. Wood ducks, um, yeah, parrots, um, and others. <laughs> so I'm taking it it's 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 a it's a non-cat household. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, it's a non-cat household. <coughs> Wedge-tailed eagle population can be divided into three groups. There are happily married couples that occupy a territory all the year round. They usually have three or four nests, uh, which they may use in rotation, but they tend to have a nest which is special to them that they use most frequently. And then there are groups of wedgetails, and when you see large groups of wedgetails feeding on a carcass, they are immature wedgetails that wander around the place. And then there's a third group, commonly known as drifters, and they are adult wedgetails living solitary existences, searching for a territory, an unoccupied territory, which they can uh, take control of. Generally, wedgetails uh, are not terribly aggressive toward each other, and so the drifters will wait until a territory is unoccupied or that one of the birds within that territory, one of the mated pair, dies, and in which case they would take over the role of the bird that's, uh, that's died. 
Wedgetails uh, mate for life. Uh, generally speaking, they mate for life, but rather like human beings, some of them uh, get fed up and wander off to find another partner. Is it known how long the drifters drift? The answer to that is no, but it would depend upon the availability of territories that become the fall vacant. Mm, so, so it's it's potentially foreseeable if the population was strong that there could be individuals that drift their whole lifespan. Yes, that's very possible. If the population was stable, and uh, uh, then that would could quite well be the case. Um, so that uh, uh, that's quite like the human population as well. Until quite recently, I had a pair of wedgetails that were um, both old birds. And one in particular, a female, had been hatched in uh, Melbourne Zoo. She was uh, 57 years old when she, when she died, and that was uh, two or three years ago. She also had a male partner who was almost, uh, almost as old. The female... Had had a rather checkered existence because she had been, as I mentioned, born in uh, hatched in Melbourne Zoo, and then went through uh, um, a number of institutions. Uh, the CSIRO uh, kept her and used her for uh, eyesight studies for a period of time. Eventually, she was in the care of Penny Olson, who's a, a raptor specialist when uh, Penny moved from a rural property into Canberra, I inherited those two birds. They can become, um, if not genuinely tame, they can become well-trained and uh, seem to form uh, attachments to individual humans. Um, So that uh, they're quite personable to that extent. The birds you've had in the past, the pair, did they form an attachment to you? Uh, yes, they did. The the, uh, the female in particular became extremely tame, was extremely tame when uh, uh, when she was given to me and uh, remained so and uh, was quite, was relatively gentle. The male was, uh, tended to be unpredictable and protective of the female. Um, she used to lay eggs each year because we, we uh, erected a nesting platform for them. Uh, but the eggs, probably due to her, her advanced years, the eggs were always infertile. How do you think that these two wedgetails here experience life? Well, obviously, um, ideally, birds like wedge-tailed eagles, should not be kept in captivity. Uh, or if they are kept in captivity, if, there's a, if they can be uh, flown and, um, uh, fl- and flying free, it's preferable to them being kept in an aviary. Uh, so this brings us to the question of whether uh, they, should be, um, they should be kept alive. I would argue that, uh, yes, they should be because of the reasons I mentioned before. People can be introduced to wedge-tailed eagles and, uh, and gain admiration for the species. 
which may make them, and hopefully will make them, more concerned about protecting the species. And uh, obviously I use them um, as models, uh, which helps me, I hope, to bring people to the realisation of what magnificent creatures they are. Over the years of, of observing these birds at close quarters, can you tell me whether there's a differentiation between individual personalities? Very much so. Wedge-tailed eagles are just as different as, shall we say, um, dogs of the same breed would be. So uh, some wedge-tails are relatively placid, some wedge-tails tend to be aggressive so they each have their own individual personality that's one of the things i i attempt to do when i'm painting eagles i don't just paint a wedgetail as representative of the species i try and paint an individual wedgetail because no no two eagles are exactly the same and no two eagles look exactly the same so they they do have their individual personalities definitely Birds suffer terribly at the hands of would-be artists. <laughs> so I always attempt to do them justice. <laughs> and and uh, I think one of, the ways, uh, one of the ways it pays to have an intimate knowledge of a species, it, it, it gives one or helps uh, one to have the ability to paint individual characteristics rather than just um, purely um, a representative of a species. So could you walk me through from sort of inception to finish the process of one of your large eagle paintings? Yes, certainly. I think uh, most of my paintings stem from things that I've observed. I observe an eagle, an eagle on the property, um, whatever it may be doing, and uh, think at the time there is a painting in that because I have um, made so many drawings of eagles and so many studies of eagles, I have an enormous amount of information already stored. And uh, I then draw a large number of roughs, roughing out exactly what the finished painting will be then selecting from the rough drawings one which I think is most appropriate to what I'm attempting to achieve. And then it's simply a process of um, labouring through the finished work and hopefully uh, achieving something. The only thing I really enjoy about this process is signing it um, because the rest of it is arduous and uh, irksome. So when people say you must get great pleasure from doing this, um, they're wrong. Then why do you do it? Um, a compulsion, uh, which, I've, <laughs> which I've been plagued with ever since I can remember. I've always been uh, totally absorbed and fascinated by wildlife. As a very small child, I used to collect insects and uh, tadpoles and frogs, but was always fascinated and captivated by birds, and particularly large, large birds, and in particular birds of prey that hold, have always held a, a fascination for me. I mean, do you have an explanation for that? 
no, I don't think anyone has worked out exactly why some people become poets, some people become authors, other people become musicians, and some people um, do what I do. I don't think anybody's worked out exactly why. It's, I think it's just the luck of the draw, or the unlock of the draw, whichever way one wants to... Uh, um, as I, as I mentioned earlier, it's a compulsion, and um, uh, one just tries to do the best one can. I was born in, in North Wales and kept birds of prey as a youth and, and saw my first wedge-tailed eagle when I was reasonably young in a zoo in Britain. I moved to Australia in 1968, obviously fascinated by seeing wedge-tails and, and determined to, um, to study them and to paint them. I've been doing that ever since 1968. They are breathtaking when they're in flight. They are, yeah. How can you bring that to your paintings? What, what techniques? Yeah, I, I tend to paint um, all my subjects life-size. And because uh, wedge-tails are big birds, therefore the paintings are big paintings. And uh, this is particularly true if I paint an eagle in f flight because wedge-tails have a wingspan from about... Um, 180 centimetres to uh, uh, to more than two metres, so uh, two and a half metres in fact. Uh, so my paintings of eagles in flight are large paintings and are determined by the size of the eagle. <laughs> These particular two birds here, what's going to happen to them in the future? Well... Uh, all being well, they'll continue their lives as, uh, as artists' models. They can't be released. Um, zoos are not particularly uh, enthusiastic about keeping uh, birds of prey in captivity unless uh, they can display them um, flying. And obviously these two birds can't be displayed in that way. Um, so that... Um, Hopefully they'll live as happily as possible in um, a large aviary. The expected lifespan would be another 40, well, 40 years perhaps? Well, yes. What, what happens, which is probably, uh, they're probably going to outlive me, um, so they're going to be somebody else's responsibility. <laughs> yes, that's my only reason for breeding. <laughs> Someone's got to look after the bird collection. <laughs> that when you were a child, you, you said that you went out and observed and, and caught insects and did all of those things. But did you go through that destructive boy phase where perhaps you had a phase of destructing nature? Um, not, not particularly, although I've always been, uh, I've always been a hunter not for the sake of killing things, it's just another way one forms um, uh, a close relationship with wildlife and consequently I grew up uh, shooting rabbits, shooting hares, shooting foxes in North Wales and uh, I became a consummate poacher of pheasants from the local English-owned estate 
and spent quite a lot of time avoiding gamekeepers. I also uh, illegally fished trout and salmon from local rivers. Uh, and, and this was uh, all part of being uh, a Welsh youth interested in wildlife. And uh, I, still, I, still shoot, um, I still shoot rabbits and still shoot foxes. Um, so that, uh, yeah, I've always, I've always done that. What are the threats that these birds face? Well, most, most eagle deaths are at the hands of, uh, of people, either directly or indirectly. So eagles fly into power lines. Over the years, I've uh, picked up more than half a dozen eagles that have been, uh, my attention's been brought to them, and, uh, and they've flown into power lines, some of which have been released, others too badly injured and, and had to be put down. More recently, wind turbines uh, pose a significant hazard to wedge-tailed eagles because hunting eagles tend to occupy the same airspace as the blades of turbines. And uh, they're really, really not something that eagles are, are used to coping with. So the tips of blades moving at 160, 180 uh, kilometres an hour appearing from nowhere as far as eagle is concerned and occupying the same airspace as a hunting eagle poses a significant threat. Now wedgetails aren't an endangered species but locally wedgetails, the local population of wedgetails can become endangered and um, wind turbine developers will say oh well uh, more eagles are killed by traffic on roads than by turbines. Um, that may, in some cases, be true, but that's not any justification for killing more of them. What obligation do you have to the birds in a broader sense? Well, I, I attempt, through my work, to uh, bring people's attention to the richness of Australian bird life and that it should be uh, considered to be a very, very important part of the Australian environment. Wedgetails have this um, very individualistic uh, way of soaring, gliding and flapping. I mean their flapping flight is rather heavy and looks rather laborious, a bit like uh, a bit like a heron in fact, its wing beats. But as soon as it glides and starts to soar it assumes a majesty that is um, peculiar to the species with the wings held slightly above the plane of the body and uh, if it's gliding it rocks slightly from side to side. Although I see soaring wedgetails on an almost daily basis one never becomes accustomed to that sight. It's something that one never one never gets over. It's um, something that is always inspiring and, uh, and sometimes quite awe-inspiring. Humphrey Price-Jones, wildlife artist, and environmental activist. A man drawn towards wildlife, compelled to open his heart to it, and his home too. 
Of course, not just anyone can keep raptors in New South Wales. There are permits and checks to ensure that the qualifications and lodgings are adequate. But anyone can witness the majesty of the wedge-tailed eagle if you're just lucky enough to see one around. I'd love to hear your observations and stories or see your photos. You can find me on Twitter at jones underscore Anne or over at the Off Track website. Go to abc.net.au forward slash rn and follow the prompts. On the drive home from the farm, I kept my eyes peeled for a wild eagle. And it was only at the last moments of light when the rays that spray golden lines across the top of the trees suddenly hit a dark figure. A huge bird. Head smooth, beak menacing, shoulders bulky against the sky, surveying its territory. It was standing like Batman would stand on the top of a building, chest out, frown firmly in place, as if he owns the place. And he does. Just a quick trip into Wedgetail Eagle territory this time on Off Track. I'm Ann Jones, and next week I'll take you somewhere else. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.